You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. ago I thought about what you said brother there's many places y'all could have been here tonight but you chose to come here and I appreciate it it's so much better to preach to people than empty pews amen and I know it's encouraging to, for you pastor for you to be here turn with me in the book to the book of Ruth tonight and don't plan on being long but you know how it is we always plan on not being long we never plan on being long but I don't think this will be too long of service that's the reason why we sung a little bit more, and we'll do the same thing in tomorrow night, and if, if you got some requests, you know, we'll try to fulfill those, and just, uh, you know, don't be disappointed, though, if it's something we haven't done uh, in a long time, we might not be ready for it tomorrow, but, you know, just give us a chance, give us a, give us a try, we might can just throw it in there, and, uh, but especially songs you know we've, we've done, and you've heard us do recently in the last couple of years. We should be able to do those, <laughs> amen, and because we, we've had to regroup, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, but I tell you what, I, I like our new group, though. I like, uh, <laughs> God's blessed us so much with uh, uh, children that's coming along, take, filling in, amen, just, uh, just stepping right in there, and I praise the Lord for that. Ruth chapter 1, and I'm going to be preaching all four chapters tonight, just like I did Esther, first four chapters. But I'll probably get, as I did the other night, get done with the first three in the first ten minutes. Amen. I won't be preaching the whole chapters. But Ruth chapter 1, if you'd like to stand with us as we read and reverence the Word of God and also stretch your legs. If you're physically able tonight in the book of Ruth, I love this book, don't you? It's a love story, actually. It's known more for a love story. But I'm going to kind of look at it, I think, in a different light than you may have seen it before because... As I was reading through my Bible this year, I asked the Lord to show me something in the book of Ruth I've never seen. And guess what? He did. <laughs> and I want to share that with you tonight. Chapter 1 and verse 10. The Bible says, And they said unto her, and that's, let me just pause and say this, the they there is uh, Orpha and Ruth, which were her uh, Naomi's uh, daughter-in-law's. Picking up there. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. If I should have an husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them? From having husbands, nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that, that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. Y'all pray with me and for me. Lord, I do thank you so much for the op opportunity it is to preach, God. Lord, but I certainly know my inabilities, but Lord, I know that you help those that are faint, that are weak, and I pray that you do that tonight. Lord, strengthen us, and may we be a blessing to each person that's come here tonight. We ask it in your precious name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Maybe see. Thanks for standing. 
If you know the book of Ruth very much, you know it starts out kind of a dim book. It seems like there's a lot of darkness. Matter of fact, it seems like there's a lot of bad things going on. But I think about it as I read the book of Ruth, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. As you know, if you know the book of Ruth much at all, you know it starts off with a family that were in Bethlehem, Judah, and they had a famine in the land. And they did like a lot of people did. I don't know why for sure why they decided to leave. Maybe it was Naomi, the, the wife of Elimelech. Maybe she started complaining. You know, these babies has got to eat. And we don't, we don't know what we're going to feed these babies. We've got to go find somewhere where there's some bread. We've got to go find some food for these babies. I don't know if that's the way it happened. But Elimelech and Naomi, uh, Elimelech being the father and Naomi being the wife and Chilion, actually the Bible actually says it's supposed to be pronounced Kilion and Malon were the two sons of Elimelech and Naomi. And uh, they decided to go to the land of Moab of all places. The Bible calls the land of Moab the wash pot of the land. <laughs> and I, I think I would have chosen somewhere else, but they chose wash pot and Moab. And uh, that's the way we are a lot of times when things go dry, when things go kind of dim, when things kind of go uh, wintry sort of in our lives. As I mentioned last night, there's going to be some dark days. There's going to be some winter days. There's going to be some dry days. But my friend, you be careful when you move that you're not moving on emotions. I believe that's the way they had moved. They decided to move on emotions. Make sure you don't do that. Now, now I believe in emotions. I mean, if I mash my toe, I'm going to holler. Amen. I believe in emotions. But we're not supposed to always move on fear or emotions. A lot of times those two go together, fear and emotions. But we need to move on faith as we just sung, move by faith. But they certainly weren't moving, the family of Elimelech weren't moving by faith. They were moving by fear, I believe. And so, and, uh, but during this process of time, Elimelech dies, the husband dies. Kilion and the son Kilion and Malon, they both die also and leave two uh, daughter-in-laws, Orpha and uh, uh, Ruth, which were the daughter-in-laws of Naomi. So, but during this time, at right after the death of those two, three men, Naomi decides, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go back to Bethlehem, Judah, where they, had, they said there's a news that there's bread in Bethlehem, Judah. So I'm going to go back home. And that's the way it is a lot of times with us. We, you know, when uh, you have a lot of people uh, leave church, when there's things dry around the church, ain't much going on. But just as soon as things get picking up, amen, just as soon as things get exciting around the church, you see people start coming in that hadn't been around. <laughs> but let me just encourage you, just stick in there and be faithful to your church, even in the dry times, when it's not so exciting, amen. You just hang on. You just keep walking by faith, and there'll be some miracles as we just sung, amen. And, uh, but she came home when there was good times in the land, and she... And she says to Orpha and, and Ruth, she matter of fact, she starts to try to talk them out of not coming. She says, you girls, you need to go back home. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to a place where I'm probably not going to be wanted. I'm going to a place where I'm not wanted probably because they're probably mad at me for leaving anyway. And uh, she talks one of them into going back home, Orpha. But she can't talk Ruth into going back home. 
And I, I think it's really interesting, these verses I just read where Naomi, actually she starts this, I call it a scenario. She starts this scenario of how that these two girls could get husbands and are maybe later on in life. You see, the custom of the Israelites, if, one, if a man were to die, his brother could marry the wife that remained and bring up the children under the name of the man that died. And that's what uh, Naomi was thinking about. Matter of fact, she brings up this scenario. What's uh, kind of humorous to me is that she didn't say Ruth or Orpha, neither one said anything about wanting husbands. <laughs> but you see, Ruth, Naomi, she had it in her mind that to, in order to, to carry on the name of her husband, Elimelech, and that was the whole th purpose of that, is to carry the name of Elimelech, her husband, carry that name on. And the only way that can happen is if Orpha or Ruth or Naomi herself, but she said, I'm too old. I can't have, I can't marry and have a son for you girls to marry. And so she's bringing out this hypothesis or scenario of how she could, you know, marry and have a son and you girls could wait on this boy to marry and then we could carry on the name. She's got this figured out. But, you know, I'm thinking Ruth and uh, Orpha's probably scratching her head saying, what is she talking about? You know, I'm not interested in all that. I'm not interested in a boy growing up and waiting on him to grow up so I can marry him so I, just so you can have some kids. <laughs> and uh, so Naomi, but, but you see the reason why she brings up this situation, this what I call a scenario, the reason why she brings this up is because she's so interested in carrying on the name of her husband, Elimelech, and her two boys. You see, that was very important in the days of Israel. In the days of the Jews, they wanted to carry on that name because it had already been prophesied that the Messiah would come through that lineage of the Bethlehem Judah, you see. And so all the women were hoping that they would give birth to the Messiah. You see, that was so important to them. And so she was interested in that. How can I continue on this lineage so that possibly the Messiah may be born in my lineage, in my inheritance, in the people that I, you know, have given birth to. So she's, that's what's on her mind. How could I carry on this lineage, this inheritance of the Judaites there? And that's what she's thinking. And uh, she comes up with this story. So I, I, think of, I think we see Naomi, I call her having a situation where she was hopeless. She was hopeless. Uh, she was just sort of grabbing for straws, trying to figure out how I can carry on the name of my husband. And you know what? That reminds me of something. She was interested in carrying on the name of somebody else. And we can learn a lesson from that. We've got somebody's name that we should carry. And that's the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me give you three things. This is not the message tonight, but just three things on the side. Three things about the name, the name of Jesus. First of all, we need to be proclaiming that name. We should proclaim that name. And then these days that we're living in with uh, the, the uh, pandemic and all the other things that's going on in our country and in our world today, we shouldn't be the ones that's complaining about how bad things are. We should be bragging and telling about how good of a God we got. Amen. 
and how he can help us overcome this situation. We have so many opportunities to proclaim his, no, his name, but most of the time we're complaining about the situations. Amen. So God help us to, to proclaim the name of Jesus. Every opportunity that you have to talk about Jesus, tell them how good God has been to you. Amen. Amen. I think about what the Bible says, to praise the Lord among the heathen. And that word heathen there means talking about the unsaved. Amen. A lot of times that's the only way they're going to hear about Jesus is by you proclaiming his name out there in the world. Amen. We need to be that light. We need to be that uh, proclamation that people need to hear the name of Jesus and how good he's been to me and how good he's been to you. Amen. Amen. But also not only the proclamation, but I think we should praise his name. Amen. Amen. Praise his name. Give every opportunity you have to praise his name. Not only in church. I know we like praising the Lord when it's convenient, when it's, we feel like we're around other people that praising him. But we need to praise him, as I've already said, among the heathen, among the lost out there. They need to hear that name. And let me just say this to you tonight. Just find your place every day. When you pray in, just praise the Lord a little bit. Yeah. By yourself, lift up your hands, clap your hands to the Lord, and bless His name. He's worthy of our praise, uh, not only publicly, but privately. We need to be praising His name throughout the day. Amen. I, I like thinking about it this way. We better warm up for heaven. <laughs> Because there's going to be a lot of praising there, Brother Michael. Matter of fact, I read over there in Revelations where it was the, the sound, the, the noise was so loud that it sounded like mighty waters. Sounds like Niagara Falls. You ever been there? It's real loud there. <laughs> Matter of fact, you can't hear anything but the water. That's the way it's going to be when you get to heaven. So you better get warmed up for that great day. When we, and what we're going to be doing is praising the name of Jesus and blessing his holy name. Amen. We, we better get used to that, praising his name. Something else we'd, I'd say we'd like to do or we need to be doing is protecting that name. Amen. Protecting that name. Be careful how you carry that name of Jesus. By the way, we, as I, I don't like calling myself a Christian, you might be kind of... Oh, surprised about that. I'll, I'd rather somebody else to call me a Christian. Right. Amen. Amen. Because that word Christian means Christ-like. For me to say I'm a Christian, I say I'm like Christ. Yeah. But you know what? I, most of the time, a lot of times, I'm not like Christ. Yeah. But you know what? I'd love for somebody to call me a Christian. Mm -hmm. For somebody to say that I'm Christ-like, hallelujah. <laughs> I can praise the Lord for that because... I want to be called a Christian, but I can, I can tell you that I'm a child of God. I'll be the child of God no matter how I live or how I do or what I say. But you know what? It depends on how I live, whether it makes me a Christian or not. I know a lot of times the word Christian means you are saved. I mean, but you, know, you need to realize we're carrying that name and keep that name hallowed. The Bible says in, in, the, in the New Testament there that Jesus prayed these words. He says, uh, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Keep that name on a pedestal. Keep it lifted up, his name. Don't use his name in vain. Don't live his name in vain. Don't listen to 
to TV programs that uses his name in vain. Amen. Can I go that far to say that? Because I'm not going to allow that in my house if I, can, if I can help it. Using God's name in vain. Keep it hallowed. His name hallowed. Just proclaim his name. Praise his name. Protect his name. That's something we can learn from Naomi. But that's, on the, that's a side sermon right there. Amen. <laughs> but she, we're seeing these first verses, this first chapter, that she was, Naomi was hopeless. Have you ever been hopeless, feel like you're just hopeless? The situation you're in, you just don't see how God can work it out. You don't see how anything could come good of this situation. Well, let me remind you of that verse I quoted a minute ago. Again, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who they are called according to his purpose. I, I like using this illustration. Again, I may have used this before, but I, my wife and children, they... My girls, they make uh, these biscuits, and they've gotten to where they make these uh, 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 cheese biscuits. You know, like Red Lobster? Ooh, man. I'm going to get y'all hungry before you leave here, if nothing else. Amen. And, you know, they'll, they'll put those, all those ingredients, like the, the flour, the, uh, sometimes they put uh, buttermilk, and I know y'all don't like buttermilk probably, but I do. But, you know, a lot of, they'll put all those ingredients that don't taste good by themselves. And they'll pat them out, put them in the oven. And when they bring them on out of that oven, I tell you what, something's changed, brother. Something has changed. Matter of fact, I wonder if I put one of those biscuits on top of my head, if my tongue would beat my brains out trying to get to it. <laughs> I just wonder about that sometimes because they're so good. <laughs> But you know, that's the way God is. He can take all those bad things in our life and put them together and make something good out of it. Even though you may feel like you're hopeless in your situation. I felt, there, felt that way, haven't you? A hopeless situation. That's the way Naomi, I believe she was just speaking out of hopelessness, her hopelessness. And then moving on to chapter 2, I told you I'd be quick. Uh, moving on to chapter 2, something really good happens in chapter 2, and I'm going to call it Naomi's hopefulness, her hopefulness. Notice what happens in verse 18. And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had get gleaned. Let me pause and explain what's going on here. Ruth had went to the field and started gleaning some, some barley, and she was going to show her mother-in-law what she had gleaned, what she had gathered, picking up in middle verse 18. And she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And her mother-in-law, that's Naomi, said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she shewed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. Amen. And I just imagine in my mind, you can... Think what you want to, but I just imagine in my mind this, the moment that Ruth mentioned Boaz. I believe Naomi's eyes started glistening. I believe they, they got wide. They, get, they got real bright because she got to thinking about what could happen. And I know Naomi, I think it's probably like some of you, maybe some of you ladies. I don't know how you are, but I know some of 
ladies, sometimes they can be good matchmakers. I mean, they can't stand to see somebody single. I mean, they find somebody single and they start trying to match them up with somebody. I mean, it just tears their nerves up until they get ma married. I don't know about y'all, but I've seen those kind. Amen. <laughs> I just think maybe Naomi was that kind. She wanted to match Ruth up with somebody and she thought, well, this would be the perfect match. You know, up until then, she was hopeless and how to get this situation together, how she could continue the inheritance, how she could continue the name of Elimelech and her two sons. And then when that name Boaz was mentioned, by the way, I forgot to tell you what the title of the message is tonight. Jesus is hope when there is no hope. Amen. Amen. And of course, you know about the man named Boaz. He was a picture, beautiful picture of Jesus. You get Jesus into the picture, my friend, you'll have some hope. Amen. And that's what happened in, in this story. Uh, Naomi, I believe she, those wheels started turning. <laughs> she could just see this coming together. When was soon the moment that Boaz's name was mentioned, she got to thinking, this is how it's going to work. And you know what? That's, that's funny about the Lord. You know, Naomi, she had it planned in her mind. You know, I'd, you know, I'd have to get me a husband, and I'd have to have a son, and he'd have to grow up, and then y'all would have to marry him. Boy, that sounds real hard. <laughs> but you know, that's the, way, that's the way our plan usually don't, it don't work most of the time. We, we've got in our minds these hopeless situations. We, we got in our mind, if, we, if this and this would happen, it fixed everything. But God had a different plan all the time. Brother Michael, isn't that the way God is a lot of times? We got something figured out exactly how this would work out. If God would just do this, if he'd put this person right here and this person right there, it'd all work out. But all the time, God's got his plan, which is always the best plan. It's always the best plan. And then so she mentions that name, Boaz, and as I mentioned, I, I could just see Naomi's eyes start to light up. And notice what she says, Naomi, in verse 20. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord. I believe she is shouting it. Amen. Amen. Who hath not left off his kindness to, to the living. Notice this church, what she says. To the living and to the what? Dead. Who was the dead? Elimelech and her two sons. And I could just see her thinking, that's it. That's how it can all work. That's how I can, can continue to carry on the name of my husband. And Naomi goes on to say, and Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And Ruth the Moabite said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have been ended all my harvest. And I can just see Naomi thinking, Uh-huh, yeah, I can see something, some little bit of fire there. <laughs> something starting there. And uh, you're going to need to, <laughs> you're going to need to pour a little gas on that fire, Ruth. <laughs> Verse 22. <laughs> and Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, Is it good, my daughter, that thou uh, go out, that thou go out with the, his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other fields? So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt 
with her mother-in-law. I don't know how much time period lasted there, but the Bible does say till the end of the barley harvest. So I'm guessing there was a, uh, a length of time there. But in that process of time, and I told you I was going to preach all the first all ch four chapters. So chapter three, I'm going to give you the nutshell there. N Naomi works out this plan. And, she, and this time, God's in the plan because she, God showed her how it's going to work out. Not her plan wasn't going to work, but God's plan. But Naomi, as somebody, <laughs> somebody just to, uh, to, to explain it, she put some feet on her prayers. <laughs> she put some feet on her prayers in chapter 3 and started to explain to Ruth, you need to let Boaz know that you're available. <laughs> That's basically what chapter 3 is, is where Naomi, now let me just say this in case anybody gets the wrong idea, Ruth, had a testimony of being a virtuous woman. And in, in chapter 3, nothing immoral at all goes on. But she was very right in what she did and what Naomi, the plan that she had, that she told Ruth what to do was simply perfect. And she told him, her basically, you need to let Boaz know that you are, that he is your near kinsman. Not, not only is is he your near kinsman, but he's my near kinsman. <laughs> I'd have to say that, that Naomi, she has some selfish motive in all this. <laughs> she wasn't just looking out for Ruth, brother Chad. She was, I believe she was, and for a rightful reason. She was trying to carry, again, not carry on her own name, but carry on the name of her husband and her two boys. That was, that was a job of the women back then. But anyway, she was doing a good job at it. Amen. Trying to carry on the name of her inheritance of her father, of her dad and her two sons. But then, you know, that's what chapter 3 is, is, is Naomi telling Ruth uh, what she needs to do to let Boaz know that she is, uh, needs to be redeemed. And you know the story how they come together. And Boaz says, to Ruth, yes, I'm going to marry you. I'm going to, I'm going to buy you, basically. And then, and then I, I like the last part of this. Let's see if I can find it right here. Uh, verse 18 of chapter 3. Let's read this and we'll go to chapter 4. Then said she, he's talking about Naomi, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. Listen to what she says. For the man, speaking of Boaz, will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. In other words, she say, you know what she's saying? Naomi's saying to Ruth, he's in love. <laughs> he's going to make sure this gets done. She's gonna, he's going to marry you. And uh, so I want to say to you again, Jesus is hoping. Again, Boaz in this story is a picture of Jesus. You get Jesus in your life, my friend, you got hope. You got hope. And then we see, that I, we'll finish up the message here in chapter 4, and I, I've entitled it, Naomi's Hope Fulfilled. We started with uh, Naomi's uh, hopelessness, and then chapter 2, we see her hopefulness. Then here in chapter 4, we see Naomi's hope fulfilled. And notice, when it all comes together in chapter verse 14. Actually, let's go down to verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, 
And when he went unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. You see, it's all about carrying on that name. Verse 15, And he, speaking of uh, the child of Boaz and Ruth, And he shall be unto thee a restorer of life, thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age, for the, thy daughter-in-law which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. <laughs> They're saying to, to, to Naomi, you didn't need just one son. You got something better than, than seven sons. And that's what you got in, in, in uh, Boaz and in Ruth. In verse 16, And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. I want you to notice verse 17. We'll read this and we'll close tonight. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi. Notice it says a son born to Naomi. It was for her the son was born. Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. King David. Anybody know his name? I think Naomi did a pretty good job of making sure the name was carried on. <laughs> because, you know, guess somebody, there's somebody else that came from that same lineage. And his name, if you don't know it already, is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise God. She's done her job in making sure she carried on the name of her husband. And let me just say to you in closing tonight, as they come with a song, Jesus is hope. Just like Boaz was hope. Boaz brought hope into Naomi's life. And Jesus will bring hope into your life. If you just turn your life over to him, he is hope when there is no hope. Y'all can sing that, why should I worry if you want to. Whatever you want to sing, be fine. I, I don't know if necessarily you got a song that goes with this, but uh, <laughs> I, there is a song that says Jesus is hope when there is no hope, but we ain't learned that one yet. <laughs> But let's stand with our heads bowed. Thank you for listening so well tonight. Maybe you're hopeless tonight. You come here hopeless. But I hope this message tonight has given you some hope about Jesus. Turn your life over to Jesus. He's hope when there is no hope. And I like the song. It says, why should I worry? Why should I fear? This very same Jesus, no substitute, but this very same Jesus that calmed the stormy water, this same Jesus can help you tonight. Heal the blinded eyes, raise the dead, died for your, your sins, rose again from the dead, and, and seated at the right home, hand of the Father, making intercession. That same Jesus is ever so near, and he wants to help you tonight. If the Lord spoke into your heart, you come as they sing.
continue to play, and they're going to sing another verse in just a moment. But I was thinking about God's going to do his part, but you know, Naomi had something to do. And Ruth had something to do. And I just was thinking tonight, you know, I've stood where you've stood, and you know, sometimes we want to see God do the great things, but sometimes we don't realize that they revolve on such small things. And here's what I want to say. If the Lord spoken to your heart tonight and you feel like you need to humble yourself and come and pray, you know, that might be your part, just a small part. I'm not trying to get you to come just to come, but I'm just telling you that if God, if you feel like the Lord's wanting you to come, but you're holding on, being stubborn and talking yourself out of it, if you, listen, if you learn to listen to him when he speaks softly, get close enough where you listen to him when he speaks softly, respond, amen? And so while they sing another verse, listen, if God's touched your heart tonight, if you have a need, listen, I wish you'd come tonight as they sing this other stanza.
You know, it's something kind of neat in there too. And Obed, you know, Obed means worship. That kind of interesting. And you know, people were named in the Bible usually based on something connected with what they saw or what they expected. I believe there might have been a little bit of worship going on, don't you? After, after Naomi coming back from hopeless, and if you remember, she come back and she said, don't call me Naomi. And uh, then we get the, the, the name that's a common name now and became in the New Testament, Mara. Mara, Mary in the New Testament. Just call me bitter. Just call me bitter and broken. Uh, but man, to go from that, hey man, has anybody ever been from that? Have you ever been to the place where you just thought there's no hope, just like Brother Brady was saying? And then you look and you're like, man, God came through. And, but I just thought about that. I think it's a pretty good illustration that when you see uh, Jesus Christ and you see Naomi, a picture, or, or Ruth, and you see uh, Christ and the church, you see the fact of uh, her getting saved, uh, you know, the picture being there. And what was birthed? Worship in her heart. Amen. I believe that we ought to learn to worship the Lord. Amen. Uh, David would praise the Lord to worship seven times a day. And, uh, man, I tell you, I know that. There are some people that can really mistake worship for all oh, of that's emotionalism. Now, there's, a, there's emotionalism out there. I understand that. Uh, but, man, listen, uh, the Bible says we're to worship God in truth. Hey, we don't have much trouble with that. But we're to worship God in spirit, amen, in spirit and in truth. And uh, just as we ought to obey him in other ways by faith, we ought to obey him when it comes to worship by faith, amen. Uh, because what we do is we get so overwhelmed with our problems and things not going right. Uh, but, man, there's just something about being able to worship and praise him that just, it's an act of faith. It really is an act of faith, and it'll bring you right through, amen. So, Amen. All right. Praise God, Brother Brady. Thank you for that. Thank you, Rochesters. And uh, you can go and head on back to the back here, brother. And uh, thank you all so much. We do have treats again tonight. Uh